This was planned to be a simple service of remembrance. Not to say that love and life and death and loss and memories are simple things, but to say that I imagined a service that simply held the space for remembrance, calling on the poets you heard in the readings and the song you just heard to offer us language that is not afraid of contradiction and paradox, language that can unashamedly state the way that we feel with no apology, language that does not seek to justify, explain, or defend, yet words which, through their beauty, allow us a greater proximity to the range of emotions we may be feeling. I imagine this as a time to call forth the memories of loved ones who have died to recall them to our minds and hearts. A time to touch upon the bones deep heartbreaking open recognition of mortality and explore briefly the ways in which that recognition can inspire our love and compassion in the present moment. A time to look at the fact that we run away from the simple recognition that we will one day die at our own peril. And a time to highlight the anguish and beauty of lifetimes as we know them and the power of accepting lifetimes. Just as each life has a beginning, all lives will also end. That was my plan. And then the world happened. And all I could think of for all my plans to encourage acceptance of the natural rhythm of life and death, all that kept going through my head was the refrain from that poem that Alice just read, I am not resigned. I am not resigned to the shutting away of loving hearts in the hard ground because there are deaths and then there are deaths. And suddenly all of the humorous anecdotes I planned on sharing about how we humans sometimes carry an illusion that we can escape the inevitability of death by pretending that there are ways over or under or around all the advertisements for products to keep you young, the supplements and stimulants and therapies and remedies and injections and prescriptions, take this, shoot that, start this, stop that, all the breathtaking figures such as the U.S. anti-aging market being valued at $17.92 billion in 2022, and predicted to hit over 34 billion by 2032, while globally it was at 60 billion in 2021 and projected to reach 120 billion by 2030. Suddenly that image of human individuals scrambling to beat the clock, suddenly the mountains of anti-aging products and the never-ending stream of tips on staying young articles suddenly those still astounding sales figures seemed not quite so humorous and much more troubling in the light or the darkness of world events. 
And a question arose for me because as much as I can poke fun, I completely understand that urge to hold on to this life. But a question arose, how can I, as a human individual, hold on so tightly to my one precious life, as poet Mary Oliver would say? And listen, if my question ended there, the poet Rilke answers it, answers that first half of my question beautifully from the reading that Alice presented. Why do we hold on so tightly to our individual lives? Because being here amounts to so much, because all this here and now so fleeting seems to require us and strangely concerns us. Us, the most fleeting of all, just once, everything, only for once, once, and no more. That, I believe, is why I hold on so tightly, yes. But here is the whole of my question. How then can I hold on so tightly to my individual life and yet accept or approve or even be complicit in the preventable deaths of others. How can I, knowing the truth of what Rilke says, that being here amounts to so much, how can I, experiencing the anguish that arises from the death of someone I loved, cherishing the time that I had with them, how can I blithely accept or approve or ignore the preventable deaths of others? Because there are deaths, and there are deaths, right? There are deaths that come at the end of a lifetime. As a reading from our hymnal says, all living substance, all substance of energy, being, and purpose are united and share the same destiny. All people, those we love and those we know not of, are united and share the same destiny. Birth to death, we share this unity with the sun, earth, our siblings, strangers, flowers of the field, snowflakes, volcanoes, and moonbeams. Birth, life, death. Unknown, known, unknown. Our destiny from unknown to unknown. I find that beautiful and true, and that calls me to profound acceptance. But there are other deaths, deaths that are inflicted, deaths that cut short, that come as a result of someone else choosing to take a life or lives, deaths that are planned and plotted out, deaths that result from warlike intention or compassionless negligence, or a refusal to honor the worth and dignity of every person. Deaths that are inflicted, that are chosen, that are preventable, and I am not resigned. How can I be? I am not resigned to the horrific images and stories from Israel and the reprehensible championing of unspeakable brutality as justice. I am not resigned to the horrific images and stories from Gaza as newscasters talk of targeted strikes and top officials talk of payback. 
I am not resigned to the complicity of this country over many years up to the present minute in supporting oppression, brutality, and violence in that region and many others. I am not resigned to articles describing CEOs of weapons makers providing gleeful reports to stockholders about the financial opportunity that the Israel-Gaza war provides, a marvelous addition to the ongoing war in Ukraine. I am not resigned to the fickle nature of my own attention to matters of ongoing injustice and the ways my calls for an immediate ceasefire can seem ungrounded and unaware of harsh realities. But I am also not resigned to the fact that precious lives are being brutally ended every moment, added to the thousands of people already killed, and that these are a result of choices being made, which means these deaths are pre preventable. And I am not resigned to the 18 people who were killed in Lewiston, Maine. And I am not resigned to the fact that new House Speaker Mike Johnson, in response to those horrific murders, could only uphold the constitutional right to bear arms. And while I am no constitutional scholar, I would like to ask if he ever ran across the phrase, well-regulated, in his beloved Second Amendment, and if he considers 600 people killed in 566 mass shootings in 10 months in this country, if he considers that well-regulated. And I am not resigned to the fact that he said the root cause of these shootings was the human heart. And I would like to ask if he perhaps means the hearts of those who have the power to pass common sense gun legislation supported by a majority of Americans, gun legislation supported by a majority of gun owners, gun legislation that would make this a safer country that would protect precious lives if he is including the hearts of those humans who would choose to, who could choose to pass such legislation, yet stubbornly, self-righteously, heartlessly, one might say, refuse to do so if he is including those hearts when he speaks of the root cause of this ongoing brutality. For how can we hold our own lives so dear the lives of those we love, the memories and spirits and influences of those we love who have died. How can we hold all of that so close to our hearts and yet accept or approve or even be complicit, whether through action or inaction, in the preventable deaths of others? Because I listened to that beautiful lullaby that Steve shared with us today, and I I imagine lullabies sung in Hebrew or Arabic by parents whose children are now dead or sung to children whose parents have been killed or sung in families that have now been wiped out because someone else chose for them to die and I am not resigned. I think of youth night at a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine, which turned into a straight-up war zone, in the words of one man who was there. 
Like there was little kids in there and they're watching their friends either get shot at or shot or die right in front of them. Nobody needs to see that stuff. And I am moved to share all of this, not to be intentionally gruesome, not to shock, but to somehow honor that refrain from Edna St. Vincent Millay, that call to resistance that keeps running through my mind to invite you to join me in saying, I am not resigned. Facing our own mortality, grieving the losses and celebrating the lives of loved ones who have died creates an immediate kinship with all that is mortal. We share the same destiny with the people on either side of us, with people we will never meet, with everyone and everything that lives, with everything that exists, with dogs and cats and turtles and mosquitoes, with snowflakes and moonbeams and flowers and volcanoes, with the sun and earth and stars, all living substance, all substance of energy, being and purpose, we are united. And I know none of us are safe. Life is risky. And we can make choices that make people safer. We can challenge choices that result in preventable deaths. We can unite and feel stronger than ever as we embrace this existence and pledge to be there for each other. I am not resigned. I love our closing hymn for today because it starts with peace like a river. And I can only think of the peace we wish for this bruised and broken and brutalized world. The song is said to have its roots as an African-American spiritual, and I hope that we hold that reality and honor those roots as best we can. I don't doubt that there have been many variations and verses over the years. The verses we'll be singing are not always included, but I'm glad that they found their way into the hymnal because pain and tears exist beside and within love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace exist right beside and within pain and tears. And the song in the hymnal ends with strength like a mountain. Strength like a mountain, the courage to resist those forces that inflict death on others through violence, that cut life short to further their own ends, that deny or dismiss or distort the precious nature of each and every life. We are not and will not be resigned. <laughs>